The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hello and welcome to the All Rookie Podcast. Today is September 14th and I'm your host, William Harris, a.k.a. William is Bill. Today is a very special episode. I'm joined by one of Hoopball's finest, a true jack-of-all-trades, Mr. Alan Sroki. How you doing today, buddy? Too kind, man, but thank you. I'm doing, I'm doing great. Uh, Will, it's great to be on your show. I've uh, been, uh, been listening since day one and it's cool to be able to hop on a show here. Awesome, awesome. And I'm always a fan of yours. You mainly specialize in hoop ball videos on YouTube lately. How's that been going for you? Man, it's been fun. It's been fun. You know, I I started doing uh, some of these video, these live shows last year. In fact, you were a part of a ton of them right from the early onset where we would preview these these games ahead of time, give some fantasy advice to the viewers. And and now we're sort of, uh, you know, now I'm sort of helming the, the division with hoop ball. And uh, we are getting just a whole bunch of off-season stuff out there. I mean, we've got a mock draft up on the YouTube page right now, and we're going to be putting a bunch of stuff on the channel in the lead-up to the uh, to the regular season. Lots of you know mock draft analysis, a lot of projections. Some bring on a bunch of guests. Maybe you'll even find yourself on one of these shows coming up here. Um, yeah. And yeah, no, it's it's just it's really fun to kind of dive into that kind of stuff. And it's just, I've I've met a lot of people so far and learned a lot of things while doing it. Right, and I, that's why I felt it was the perfect time to have you on. You know, uh, well, before we get started, tell everyone where they can find your work and on social media and everything, so they can give you a follow. Yeah, uh, y'all can follow me at Alan Srokey on Twitter. A L A N S R O C H I. It's a pretty complicated. Uh, name there, but I think Hoopal likes to specialize in, uh, in in names like that. So I'm right at home. Um, and yeah, you can just follow the work that I'm doing um, at, on the Hoopal YouTube channel, just uh, youtube.com slash Hoopal pop up right there and you can see all that stuff that we're churning out. That's right. That's right. Okay. So let's get straight to it like it's nothing to it. Now, <laughs> we kind of mentioned it earlier, you know, me and Alan covered the 2021 NBA draft on Hoopal's mm-hmm. YouTube page. Like you said earlier, like the five-hour, you know, journey we went on. Uh, <laughs> check it out if you haven't seen it. It was amazing. But there were some picks on there that absolutely blew your mind, and some were just spot on. Now that Summer League is over, how do you feel about how the draft played out, and are you still scratching your head at some of those selections? Yeah, I mean, we were, you know, fun, part of the fun of just doing those uh, the, uh, live shows, just getting to react in, in real time. And, and unlike you, like, I'm not like someone who I, I my opinions on the NBA draft are f- based off of other people's opinions. You know, like I didn't watch the I didn't watch these guys very rigorously. You know, I, I just I'm usually just focused on the NBA. So I just never you know, you just read all these mock drafts and you assume, you know, the order based off of them. And this year it felt like the mock drafts were all over the place versus the final product like yeah the first three picks were pretty much they went it right as things were expected but then with scotty barnes going ahead of jalen suggs to toronto that was the big surprise of that night um i still feel like jalen i'm still wondering if that was the right call for for toronto i, I like both barnes and jalen suggs as prospects um 
but I, I, I feel like I was more impressed with what Jalen did in summer league. And, you know, I, I think that in general, that we're all, we're always sort of drawn to these starting point guards and featured roles and Jalen Suggs heading to Orlando. I mean, he's pretty much got the, he's in the front seat already. I mean, he's pretty much got those keys there. So I'm going to be fascinated to see how he pans out. Um, with there and Scotty Barnes too. I, I like his fit in Toronto more than I probably did on draft night. Um, Davion Mitchell impressed me for sure. I mean, yeah, that man. guy, you, you know, off night, uh, <laughs> absolutely applicable there. Um, and of course, I know we're, we, we have some tied up for this for the end of the show, but man, I just got to say Jalen Johnson of my Atlanta Hawks, man did not look like a 20th overall pick to me. I don't know about you, Will. That guy looked like he didn't even belong there in summer league. I mean, he was great. Um, yeah, 100%. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, what about you? I mean, you know, is there a particular rookie that from your reactions on draft night, not to take this is your show, I'm not going <laughs> to – I have a bad habit of asking questions, but I'm curious. Uh, like, is there someone that, you know, after watching their summer league, you felt like changed your analysis on them from that night? Well, yes, um, you know, y'all have to get used to Alan. He's used to hosting all the shows. <laughs> bad habits. He is a professional host. No, but uh, well, who stands out to me is probably Josh Primo. You know, he was one of my biggest shockers in the draft going to the Spurs at 12. Uh, we had a lot of people mocked, you know, in that range, but he was nowhere near close for that for me. But seeing him on the Spurs uh, summer league team, I liked what I saw. I see the potential that the Spurs saw in him. And in college, he kind of played one way. They didn't really use him in the way that the Spurs are using him. And that showed instantly from day one. So with him being pretty much the youngest prospect in the draft, I was very impressed. And I see the vision that the Spurs have. So I was like, that was a terrible pick, in my opinion, on draft night. But now seeing after summer league, I'm like, okay, I see where they could go with that. Did you yeah. check any uh, Josh Primo out with the Spurs? I didn't really get to catch any of it. And I shared your sentiments on draft night. I think all of us in the room were just floored when we found out that the Spurs just took Primo at 12. Just right. given everything, all the intel that was out there, it just seemed like he was the type of guy who was going to be available at the end of the first round. Like, like I said at the top, these mock drafts were kind of all over the place. But... You know, I, 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 yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch, but from what I read in from what, you know about people connected to the Spurs, kind of local reporters and just general fans of that team, there's some optimism that he could be this guy that, you know, has this potential to become a lead scorer one day. Probably not anytime soon. He's still pretty young and pretty raw, but he has those and he has some of those intangibles that you like to see from your lead guard, um, at least in that capacity. So it's interesting to me. You know, we could always talk about how the Spurs maybe could have traded down, got some extra picks out of it, and maybe gotten him down uh, further down in the draft. But man, you really never know. I mean, just to, <laughs> I read stuff following the draft that you know my, that, that that the Hawks were somewhat interested in Primo themselves when all those rumors were circulating about them trading up. I don't know how much stock I put in that, but they were among several teams that I read about after the fact, saying that they had some interest. So you know, who knows? I think. Maybe it was a maybe it was a selection that the Spurs just had to make that maybe Primo was gonna go to somewhere else uh, before he fell out of the lottery. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean he big surprise. We'll see how it pans out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you caught any Josh Giddy. Well, he only played like five minutes. But <laughs> what are your yeah. impressions on Josh Giddy? You know, he was a shock to me going to OKC. Um, yeah. But since he didn't really play, do you have any commentary on him? 
I don't really have any, no, because you know, on top of not getting to see him in summer league, I mean, he played in Australia. So I have even less exposure to, to him. Uh, again, I'm only going off of these things that, you know, I, the, the things that I've read, and he is an interesting prospect. I mean, we all like these really tall combo like guards, uh, these playmakers who can play multiple positions. And that seems to be Giddy's profile in the NBA. He he's definitely seems like he has some work to do in terms of developing to like the NBA speed kind of, I mean, not exactly to the same degree, the extreme of uh, Alexei Pokusevsky, his new teammate in Oklahoma city, but it, it seems like the thunder want to keep this rebuild going as long as they can. And Giddy is a guy that I imagine will get opportunities in Oklahoma City this year. Um, he's actually someone that I've got penciled in as somewhat interesting for fantasy, uh, just because I, I yeah. can see the pathway for him playing a lot of minutes in a perfect world. But, you know, without any tape in summer league and without any real exposure to him before, he's a big question mark. Well, yeah, that's totally true about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> last player I have to mention is Franz Wagner. You know, we talked about mm. Jalen Suggs fit with the Magic. How do yeah. you feel he will fit with the Magic? You know, his summer league was not great, but I guess that was expected by most people. And he's kind of going to be a glue guy. Um, did you did you have any thoughts on Franz Wagner? I like him. I like I saw I watched some of his games in college, and I, I like just the profile of this very rangy, multifaceted defender. Um, Orlando obviously loves those types of players. Look no further than Jonathan Isaac, Chumo Okiki. Uh, yeah, Obama to a certain extent, they, they, they have a type down there in Orlando and, and Wagner absolutely fits the bill. And, you know, that type of, I, I don't really know what to make of him as a pro, particularly in his rookie season, but he is pretty interesting. Um, I, I think that he'll have, it'll be interesting to see where he'll find his minutes. I mean, a lot of it will, will be tied to Jonathan Isaac's health and a certain extent, because if Isaac's healthy, you, you, there's you, I mean, there'll be some injury management certainly with, the, probably the best player on the Magic with his injury history. But those two will be kind of competing with each other directly for, for touches, um, for minutes. And they, I just, I, I like the philosophy. It, it's a strategy that other teams have really struck gold on in the past. Just, you know, you find guys who are positionally versatile on that end of the floor, you're going to unearth some gyms. You're going to find some lineup construction, some lineups where you, you can just lock down pretty much anyone. And, the fact that they were able to get Wagner and Jalen Suggs that night, that the, that combination of those two um, is very encouraging for Orlando. Even though I, I'm not, I'm pretty low on Orlando this season, uh, which I think would be by design. If you're the Magic's GM, you probably want to pile on another top five pick next year. Um, we'll see how, what role Wagner ends up playing, but he's interesting to me. I like him a lot. He is someone that definitely, uh, caught my eye before summer league. And I don't feel that his disappointing performance uh, has really changed my perspective on him. Okay. Yeah. You make a lot of good points there and that it will be interesting to see how he will fit, how his minutes will be, because when you're drafting the top 10, you automatically think someone's going to be a starter, but yeah, that is going to be tricky with Jonathan Isaac. Uh, it seems to me like the magic are a team that probably needs to make a trade because they have a ton of young talented players but none that are really, uh, you know, secure in their role, except for probably Jalen Suggs, really. Most most of them can go, you know, honestly. So we'll see what. I mean, just real quick on the mat. I mean, they're just they're loaded up at point guard and center in particular. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Like there's, you're correct. You're absolutely right that there's definitely a trade to be made there um, in, with Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz, and Suggs, and RJ Hampton too. Can't forget about him. Uh, yeah. You know, th th those four are going to be competing with each other. They still got Terrence Ross there too. Who <laughs> I didn't. I, I was surprised to see that he not only made it through the trade deadline, but the offseason, too. He's still on the magic, and it seems like he's the kind of guy that a contender would love to have coming off their bench. So yeah, there's maybe one or two trades to make there. Yeah, the magic are kind of like an off-brand off -brand version of the Hawks. So, you know, shout out to you right there. Hey, <laughs> but uh, you've been doing a lot in the fantasy world lately. Uh, with mock drafts and ADPs of players on Hoopball's YouTube page. Uh, you said that's been going really well lately, and you got a lot yeah. more coming? Oh, yeah, a ton more. I mean, the mock, everybody loves mock drafts. I love mock drafts. I'm sure you do, too. Um, it's just it's fun, especially this early on. Like, like, Make no mistake, if you're listening to this and you're not into fantasy basketball, you're probably thinking, like, didn't the season just end? Y'all are already <laughs> doing this stuff now. And, yeah, we are uh, – committed to the craft at hoop ball. Some may sit, may call it an addiction. Others say that we're just proactive. Um, it, we're getting, we're getting going early here and it's fascinating to see what that early perception is like on some of these guys, especially rookies and, and how that changes once the general public really starts coming in, like with a few weeks before the NBA season, which I mean, it's about a month from now, <laughs> almost maybe five, I think five weeks until uh, opening night of the NBA. So it, things are going to start moving really quick over there but yeah the mock drafts have been rolling and I, i'm definitely interested to see where some of these rookies end up panning out yeah and i will say i think it's the perfect time to be doing that you know you'd be surprised uh rookie <laughs> shows you know like the realm that i'm in right now are doing uh podcasts and videos on the 2022 class of rookies. <laughs> now, that's that's ridiculous to me so you know yeah. you're on the right path there <laughs> I mean, you, so are, are you? You're saying that you're still maybe a couple of weeks away from your Chet Holmgren break, uh, breakdown, <laughs> right? I'm holding off on that for as long as possible. Right. <laughs> so uh, usually, about five to ten rookies are drafted in uh, fantasy drafts. Well, you know, mock drafts, real drafts. Do you feel that would be the same for this class, or is it just full of fantasy goodness? You know, this class is really tricky. It me. is. Because typically when you look at really just, just backpedaling, just in fantasy drafts in general, what you always want to find in your players are A, just their skill sets, like the, the, the statistical breakdowns of their games, what their strengths are and how that translates to fantasy, like category leagues, like uh, you and I play a lot of, and then opportunity, like you know, you can have the stat set, you can be this kind of guy in college, or you can be this kind of guy on a team just in the regular season. But what is your actual pathway to playing a lot of minutes? And to me, there's really just five rookies from this class that I look at as, okay, I, I can see where you're going to start the season. And I could envision, I can see myself drafting you because of that. And those five are Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, and the fifth one's a little shaky. I'm not positive that I want to go. I, I, I'd look to him, but we talked about him. Josh Giddy is that fifth, fifth guy to me that I, I feel has the opportunity to be a fantasy contributor next year. I mean, but that's, again, that, that's strictly just on the minutes that be available to them from the onset. And, and th that feeling that I have is, is pretty much mirrored in what you're seeing in drafts right now. People are taking really those top four they're pretty much going in every draft. Giddy, I've seen 
being drafted with some final picks. And I've also seen Davion Mitchell, uh, interestingly enough, going at the end of some drafts. Maybe that's built off of name recognition, though. I could also see an argument that he, you know, is as impressive a defensive prospect as he is. He just finds his way onto the floor because of that. So those are the guys that I'm really locked in on. But it's it's tricky, you know, like not mm-hmm. rookies in like in this is true in real life and in fantasy. Rookies are not good. Their, their rookie season relative to the rest of the league. It's just, you know, it, it's, it's tough. I mean, I mean, of those names, I mean, that's just, that's, even of those guys that I listed, like the top guys like Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley, I have a lot of questions about what their roles are going to look like, particularly Mobley, who everyone seems to say that this is a center. He is a center who needs to fill out. He can stretch the floor some, so you can imagine that he can play some power for next to Jared Allen for Cleveland. But then you also have Laurie Markkinen coming in. It it, it yeah. is Cleveland. Like, would you? Is it impossible to imagine that the Cavs start Markkinen in Jared Allen and then have Mobley play center off the bench? I wouldn't put it past them. Like, it's it's tricky, man. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm not quite sure which rookie I feel the best about from fantasy. So at this point, yeah, that's a great point. I mean. Honestly, when you said five, I was like, wow, that's kind of low. But when you go into your details about it, those paths to minutes are very tricky. So that's a great point. You know, Kate and Jalen Green are probably going to have the green light. Everyone else really is kind of a question mark. I have a few questions for you about people. Uh, how do you feel about Scotty Barnes considering Pascal Siakam is going to miss a little bit of time there with his shoulder? Yeah, and you know, Scotty Barnes is kind of the big name that I I, I had missing from that list that I uh, just you know cited because typically you know your top five rookies generally have the the they're generally the first five rookies off the board in most fantasy drafts. But with you know with Siakam missing time, I do anticipate that Scotty Barnes will get a nice runway to starting. It's just once Siakam comes back into the fold, and mm-hmm. you know when you you start a season injured. Sometimes it could be a pretty rocky going the rest of the way. Maybe Siakam gets pulled in and out of the lineup. I mean, maybe Toronto wants to try and lose and stock up more. I don't really see that uh, this year. But, you know, with with Scotty Barnes, I I feel that even if he has this opportunity ahead of him, and I like that he's a big steals guy, and I love the fact that he's he's a really solid playmaker for his position. I mean, those are two areas in fantasy basketball that you love for any player to have assists and steals. And I think that those are the two his two strengths. But this total lack of offensive game that he that people are billing him with coming out of college is just it is really really difficult to not to be a contributor in fantasy basketball even if you have all the, those minutes and you can't score. Like I don't really know is he a guy who can be you know dominant at the rim like Ben Simmons was. I don't really know if people are expecting that out of Scotty Barnes in his first year. Uh, I think I don't think that we're expecting him to have uh, some range to his shot. Um, it, right. it, there's just not enough variety to his game to make me feel confident in taking him. And, and then, you know, once Siakam is back in the fold and the Raptors, I presumably try to be competitive. You know, we haven't really seen Nick Nurse. Uh, you know, we don't really know what kind of coach he is with these with young guys. And granted, <laughs> the Raptors have been contenders pretty much the entire time he's been there, except last year. But even last year, I mean, people were like, man, Malachi Flynn, maybe you want to give him a look, Nick. You know, like this guy is like really good. Yeah, he, he, he was a stud in college and he's just got this 
you know, incredible, uh, you know, he says this is incredible statistical game to him. And look, I mean, it's not like he contributed to winning, but it was kind of like pulling teeth for a little bit there. We didn't really see him willing to give Flynn those minutes from the get go. So I have questions just about how much Scotty will play, even if he is the starter. Um, yeah, there's just the same yeah. for Chris Boucher in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, there's just, you know, it's tricky. And I, I to me, I, I feel like if you were to take him, it'd be with your last pick in the fantasy draft. And I, I think that there are a lot of interesting options that you could go with at the end of drafts this year. And I just don't see myself looking at Scotty as one of them. Yeah, I think he could be a guy like mainly in category leagues that you can pick up, drop, pick up, drop that type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see on that. But three other players. Question for you. OK, Alperin Sengun, the big Ooh. man for the Rockets. You know, yeah. he played great in summer league. The depth chart in Houston is kind of up in the air. Uh, he could start. They could start Daniel Tice. But how long will they start Daniel Tice? What do you think about Alperin Sengun? Is he too big a risk to draft? Definitely too big a risk to draft, in my opinion. Now, Sengun, when I was like, when I was doing some a little bit of research for the show and like trying to f- looking at some of these projections for these rookies and also just kind of looking at their production as uh, back in college and overseas, like Sangoon, when you look at his numbers in Turkey, man, like he is, he looks like a fantasy gold mine, right? Yeah. Like he, and like he's, everyone, you know, loves him as an offensive player. I think the rub on him is that he's not a very good defensive player. Uh, that did not stop him from getting uh, combined three steals and blocks per game in the Turkish league, though. And for me, when I'm looking at, like, th- that's the sweet spot for, for center, successful centers in fantasy basketball, guys who can get steals. They tend to get to a level that a lot of these other big men can't. Think of Anthony Davis and, and Bam Adebayo. Um, guys that collect numbers like that tend to outperform their peers. Now, I, I'm not calling Sangoon the next Anthony Davis or Bam Adebayo. And like, as we know, blocks and steals do not mean, mean you're a good defender. Um, but him having that capacity to get to that point, to me, is like, you, you got to take notice. Um, and he looked good in summer league. He, he is supposedly this, this really interesting offensive player, but the reason I'm not drafting him is because I am almost certain that we're going to see Daniel Tice as the starting center from the get go, mostly just because, I mean, Houston went out of their way to sign Tice, like on the second day of free agency. Uh, typically a move like that is done with, you know, you're prioritizing certain guys that you want to, to trot out there next year. And Houston is frankly in need of someone like Tice who is a reliable defender. He's a good screener on offense. And they, they definitely want that for Jalen uh, green and, and Kevin Porter jr. Um, mm-hmm. It, it yeah. to me, it just, it just seems like he, he makes the most sense starting next to Christian Wood to start the year. But having said that saying goons, the type of guy that, you know, I put that little star by throw him on my watch list. And definitely. when we get to the, the second half of the season, when you're in your fantasy playoffs, when Houston is well out of contention and maybe they're trying to lose a few more games, maybe that's when they see, you see Sangoon let loose. And that could be, we'll learn a lot about him and his NBA prospects at that point. And I mean, maybe he'll totally outperform expectations from the get go early on too. I mean, there's a lot of questions. He's a very, very interesting prospect. And I know he was one of those surprises at least for me, I can't remember if you were too when he fell as far as he did in the in the draft. He 
he's got a lot of fans. I'll just say that much. He's got a lot of fans in the NBA media and scouting world, and I'll be very fascinated to watch, but I'll be doing it uh, from a distance. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of him. You know, I thought he should have went seventh to Golden State, so yeah. I'm very high on Sengun. Yeah, uh, cool. two, two more people. Um, Cam Thomas, you know, he had mm-hmm. he, he was MVP of Summer League, balled out, you know, they, unstoppable uh, as far as scoring as a point guard, but he's on a Brooklyn net. If he was on any other team, especially without a point guard, I think he would be draftable. But being on the Nets, you can't touch him, right? Oh, no, no. I mean, Frank. I mean, hell, you, you can't. You can barely touch Joe Harris yeah, uh, for true. the Nets this year. I mean, I mean, you, um, you should probably because I don't <laughs> think that you're gonna have uh, the the Nets big three stay healthy all year. Uh, all right. But yeah, man, there's just too many mouths to feed, too many vets ahead of him. I mean, he's a great pickup for Brooklyn. I mean, talk about, I mean, think about the youth that they have on that team, uh, considering all these vets and money that they have tied up to their stars. I mean, Cam Thomas looks like he's going to just be, he's a walking bucket, man. Like he could go out and average, you know, 15 points per game if you gave him the minutes next year. Um, uh, well, it, maybe there'd be questions about how efficient he'd be in that regard, but he'd be, he would have no hesitation taking those shots. Um, but yeah, I just, in the pecking order of the guards there, I mean, he's still got to get through. You still have Javon Carter and, of course, Bruce Brown uh, ahead of him in that pecking order. Brown, in particular, is a very important uh, part of what Brooklyn did last year. He was a very versatile guard yeah. and, and played multiple positions, in which you know that versatility maybe could create some room for, for Cam Thomas. But even so, with Brooklyn's championship aspirations, it's just – it, it would seem like Thomas isn't going to get an opportunity unless, and this is not something that you could rule out, you know, two of those three Brooklyn stars are out for prolonged stretches and maybe you need an offensive infusion. So I'll, I'll say, you know, he, it, it, surprisingly, there is, a, a, there is a world where he could be productive in his rookie year because of that, but it's not the type of bet that you can make on draft day. Yeah, and the fact that they signed Patty Mills, that hurts too. So. Oh, of course. I knew I forgot someone yeah, important. Yeah. <laughs> they did Brooklyn sign so many guys, man. They had Patty Mills too. Oh, yeah. man. The Lakers yeah. and the Nets, man. They're just fully loaded. <laughs> if the all-star appearances between both of those teams are something crazy like that, you know. Yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> it's craziness. Uh, but, yeah, Cam Thomas, even amongst all those all-stars, you put him on that floor. I, uh, after what I saw in summer league, there is no doubt in my mind he'll find a way to jack up a few shots. <laughs> oh, <definitely. laughs> he, he, he deserves him as much as Kevin Durant out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to love it. Yeah. Oh, and last player I have to mention, because Jamal Murray is out mm-hmm. for the majority of the season, you know, as far as we know right now, the Nuggets drafted Bones Highland. He had a really good summer league as well, over 20 points per game. Do you think he will be able to get minutes since Jamal is not there? Or do you think they will stick with, you know, um, Monty Morris and uh, Campazzo? I think that he will play, uh, honestly. He's one of those guys that I put on my list because I, you know, I, I was trying to track all of the moves that were made in the offseason. And Denver, aside from dra- uh, signing Jeff Green, they're running it back. Like, they are really just the same roster that they were last year. And in that backcourt, you know, uh, Bones is really going to have to compete with Austin Rivers in particular, I think, to get a lot of those those, those shooting guard, kind of like, you know, the guys off the bench that you can throw some looks to. I, I But I, I, I don't know. I, I could see it. It's, again, you know, there's not enough uh, 
consistency and, and faith that he's a, a productive player from day one to draft him in your fantasy league. But, you know, often shooters are going to shoot offense is offense. And Highland has this pedigree. I mean, I, he was one of the most prolific three point shooters in the draft. He's in a great yeah. situation to in an offense with Nikola Jokic, just dishing it around to everyone where he can, you know, he, he can find opportunities and, you know, Mike Malone is kind of prickly with his rotations. Um, I, I believe that he and the rest of the staff are pretty high on Highland. Um, but, you know, there's totally it's it's a totally plausible avenue for him to to find minutes in the rookie season. And I'd say of all the later round picks, he's one of the, the stronger bets to, to find some early minutes there. I would I would think he has just there's very little opposition ahead of him in that depth chart. Um, so it, it remains to be seen, uh, but he's another guy that I'd put on my watch list. Yeah, definitely. Cause I really think Denver needs that three point shooting, but not ready to be drafted yet. Right. Not quite. Not quite Just on the borderline. <laughs> I will say that there, there was one guy I wanted to mention near the summer league when we were talking about people that impressed in the summer league. Yep, and yep. this also applies to someone I'm actually pretty interested in in fantasy as well. Uh, Chris Duarte with Indiana. Oh, yeah. is someone I, I mean when I watched him I'm like wow this guy like I know all the hesitation with taking older guys but this guy looks really good <laughs> he did he similar to my thoughts on Jalen Johnson he did not look like a guy who belonged there he was really confident um and, and as far as fantasy is concerned he has a stat set that's very friendly you know he's a high three-pointers and high steals guy and he's very efficient both from the field and the line and now with this news about T.J. Warren and Edmund Sumner uh, being injured for Indiana, it's not impossible for him to have a rotation role from day one there. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on him as well, but also not on my draft list. <laughs> Still not on your draft list. Yeah, You got to be cutthroat with him, man. I mean, really, it's just <laughs> Cade Cunningham to me. I mean, I think he's the clear top pick in fantasy for rookies. Yeah. Um, he's got that pedigree. Uh, but he, I mean, really, after him, I don't feel confident in any of these guys, given the the, the questions about their game statistically and the roles that they're going to be moving into for category leagues specifically. Yeah, right, right. Well, there you have it, guys. I mean, Allen is just tough. He's like a real life GM, you know, I'm just cutting people on their birthdays. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no cake for you. But, uh, you know, now I guess we can move along because. If you don't know Allen, he is an Atlanta Hawks super fan. You know, now that the draft is over, summer league's over, you kind of mentioned it earlier on Jalen Johnson. How do you feel about the draft picks and offseason moves that the Hawks have made? Well, I mean, I couldn't hide my my bias <laughs> during our draft <laughs> show that we did. I mean, I in particular, I was rubbing it in my, my, my buddy David Williams' face. Uh, yep. When the Hawks ended up taking Jalen Johnson because he was talking some smack beforehand saying like there ain't no way that he's going to be there for the Hawks. And then, you know, he wasn't happy with how the Grizzlies drafted. He's a big Grizzlies <laughs> fan. By the way. I think he's probably been on your show. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I was incredibly excited then. And then I just watched him in summer league and I'm like, oh, man. All right. It's it's go time. This is a guy for a team that was two wins away from the NBA finals for him to get to you at 20, this is a guy with lottery talent and more so than that. He's just really, he's a really interesting fit on this Hawks team because he's a skill set that none of these other players have. No one, he brings something new to the table and that is this ability to be a playmaker from the floor. 
Like, I, I love the fact that this is a guy who can lead transition by himself. He can grab the board and he can take it up the floor himself and he can cut to the rim or he can dish it out to someone else. Like, John Collins can't do that. Daniel Gallinari can't do that. It's just a really interesting, you know, weapon for Nate McMillan to have coming off of his bench. And I mean, and look, I'm not under, I'm not under some like illusion that Jalen Johnson is going to be playing a ton for this team. Frankly, he probably, <laughs> probably a bad thing if he, if we see him playing a ton of minutes pretty much <laughs> early on. That probably means some some injuries. But you know, I I couldn't be happier with that selection, man. I, I think that he does give uh, the Hawks some options to, and, you know, Danilo Gallinari with his injury history and age. It makes sense to maybe load manage him some this season, both yeah. to give some, give him like some rest so that you have him fresh for playoffs, but then so you can give this talented kid in Jalen Johnson opportunities to get out there. Um, he he's just he seems like a really good fit just in terms of you just love tooling the roster with guys who do different things and Johnson's athleticism and his, his ability to his just his pass savviness. He just—it's just an embarrassment of riches in Atlanta right now. I'm sorry to, <laughs> to keep going with the man, guys. That's—it's—it's an awesome fit here. I really can't wait to see what he does. Yeah, I honestly had him mocked to go 12. I thought he would have been a perfect selection for the Spurs, as we mentioned earlier. But yeah, you—you you definitely got a steal there. Um, yeah, I mean, you call that, um, and you also got a steal with Sharif Cooper at the 48th selection. You know, he probably won't play for you guys that, that much this year, but how do you feel about picking up Sharif? I mean, the Hawks took him, what, 48th? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think that they're – Sharif Cooper might be the most hyped up 48th pick of all time. I mean, <laughs> like, like the man – especially in Atlanta where, you know, he's from. He, he was a hometown hero here. People loved watching him in high school. He He's always just – he's always had just like an infectious energy with how he plays. I mean, he's – you, you, when you list the accolades about him, like uh, the stat that he and Trey Young are the only two freshmen in NCAA history to average 20 and 20 points and nine assists, like, yeah. which I, I still don't even know that's an accurate stat. Check me if you feel like that's wrong. It, <laughs> it doesn't still sound feels right, but it, it, I think it is. I think, I mean, it's just nuts that you have those two on the same team. But like you said, he's not going to play. Yeah, he's on a two-way contract with the Hawks. Um, and, and frankly, he might be the best two-way contract player in the NBA. That that's not a stretch, I don't think. I, at least the highest prestige one, um, like the, the one with the most cachet to his name. Like he, him, him and Luca Garza. <laughs> oh, I, I did forget about Luca Garza, which I will. I have seen talk about guys going in fantasy drafts too early. Guys, Luke, do not draft Luca Garza. I've seen him go in too many mocks. Like this is like. <laughs> This is like when Leangelo Ball was going in drafts last season. Like, bro, I mean, come, the man, he's not going to be playing like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and neither is Sharif. Uh, the Hawks addressed their backup point guard situation with Dion Wright in a trade in the offseason, which I thought was a really strong move. Uh, uh, it makes a lot more sense for Wright to be in that role, especially with his positional versatility. You can play him next to Trey Young. Uh, Trey and Sharif. Uh, there's just no world where those two can really share the floor with each other, which kind of caps, you know, the upside that Cooper has in Atlanta um, just down the road. But it is, he's a really exciting guy to have around. I'm sure that he will get op an opportunity at some point later down in the season to maybe get some uh, NBA reps, probably going to spend most of his time though at college park in the G league team. Um, but man, I mean, how can you hate a pick like that? People were, even, I mean, people who passed on him in that draft would even tell you, like those general managers would tell you, man, 
getting him at 48 to steal. Like there's just, it was a shock to pretty much everyone that he went that low. Yeah. Cause he continued his great play in summer league as well. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of yeah. those teams that could use a point guard are, you know, scratching their head or I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> but, but I yeah. mean, I, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to question. I ain't going to hate it. <laughs> You know, we get, yeah. give, give us all the good guys. That's cool. Right, right, because that's exactly what I was going to say. You have an embarrassment of riches at point guard, too, because you also have Skylar Mays. Do you think he'll stay on with the team? Yeah, I mean, they signed Mays to a two-way contract. His, uh, he was on a two-way last year, and I, I'd say he's also a pretty overqualified two-way player, right. given what we saw from him. I mean, he looked pretty decent in summer league. Um, and you could – you could, I mean, I, there's, a, there's a world where – uh, you know, he finds his way into the rotation this year. Probably not a strong one. Would probably require some injuries to, you know, your your backcourt with Herder or Reddish in the reserve unit. But, I mean, I'd say that he has a better shot at getting minutes than Sharif just because, uh, yeah. you know, Cooper's got, I mean, he, you have Trey and then you have Dion Wright and Lou Williams ahead of him too. But, you know, Williams. yeah, I mean, and, and, but yeah, I mean, with, but Skyler, you know, he, He's a very balanced player, a very level-headed guy. Um, he has some shiftiness to him and getting to the rim. Uh, he he bring you know he had some stretches last year where you know he he really impressed uh, for being uh, being a second-round pick himself. Um, and you know I'm rooting for him to find a consistent NBA contract like uh, Nathan Knight did with the Timberwolves. I mean I loved watching Nathan Knight last year, undrafted rookie who played for the Hawks, and now he's getting a shot in many. Um, you know it's just it's. It's just fun to root for those for a talented crop of guys like the Hawks have just been churning out in the Travis Schlank era. And I do think that Skylar Mays has the potential to find his way onto an NBA team uh, in a consistent role in the future. It may not be in Atlanta, but, you know, you never know. I agree. I agree. Um, you guys have some undrafted rookies that perform decent as well. Javin DeLaurier, uh, Max Heidegger and Justin Jaworski. But you don't think there's any path for them to get any minutes on the real team, do you? No, no. I mean, <laughs> you're too loaded. I mean, not, not, no, no, no offense to those guys because they did look good. Um, I also really like the play of uh, Admiral Schofield uh, for the for the summer league team, who was a second round pick a couple of drafts ago. Mm-hmm. I don't think he has a real shot to making the team. That we'll probably see him in training camp though. Um, but the Hawks really only have one roster spot left. Uh, they, and it's probably going to go to uh, an established NBA veteran like uh, uh, I've been training, I've been practicing this one. Timote Luwalu Cabarro, the guy wing who played with Brooklyn last year. Hawks just signed him to a non-guaranteed deal. Seems like he has the inside track to that 15th spot, but it's oh, yeah, definitely an open competition. Uh, probably not going to be any of those other summer league guys unless uh, Schofield does take a training camp deal and he really impresses though i'm not sure he'd be able to outclass tlc in that regard right right tlc i mean he looked like an all-star when he was in the bubble but then when he oh, got i out, mean that's what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> there, i had some dfs lineups with tlc in it and i, and I, I took some money home and i'm like all right you know what Where, where's this guy been oh he's now he's signing non-guaranteed deals with the hawks all right i'll take right, it right they need to stay in that <laughs> bubble i guess but yeah uh, then now there has been a lot of talk about the Hawks this offseason. Will the team stay together? Or do you think there is a big trade in the works? You know, Bradley Bill's name has been swirling around. Would you like the team to go that route or to stand pat? I, I've I've gone on the record in saying that I think a Bradley Beal acquisition would be a would be a, a move I'd endorse for the Hawks. Um I like I mean, coming I mean, come on, like Brad, uh, Brad, uh, Bradley Bradley 
uh, depending on what you have to give up, right? Or it doesn't well, matter. Of course, <laughs> no. There's there's there is a, a limit. Like there are certain guys <laughs> that I would not want to see go. Like uh, DeAndre Hunter, I I don't think you could give. I feel like he's kind of untouchable right now. Just the, what he showed last year. Like I mean, that first half of the season for Hawks fans will attest to this. There was no question that Hunter was the team's second best player. I mean, he just the way that he was able to create his own on offense and just clearly the best defender on the team consistency. Like he is someone who uh, the franchise is incredibly high on. And I think Nyeka Kongu is another one of those guys that uh, he's not untouchable, but I think the franchise is really high on what his future could be. Talk. I mean, like, just this is a center who is made for the modern game. He he has a, he is an incredibly versatile defender. I mean, hell, if you watch the Hawks in that playoff run, there there were. And this is not my bias or hyperbole. There were stretches where he was the best option the Hawks had to defend Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like he he is really exciting to me as a guy down the road. Um, but there's you know that something's going to have to give at some point. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like I love Cam Reddish and I'm it still doesn't very, sound like you love Cam Reddish. Oh, I love <laughs> Cam Reddish guy, bro. But <laughs> like when you just I mean, and, and it's not all his fault because, you know, he he is not, he's had two his first two years in the NBA uh, have been riddled with, you know, just inconsistency from like just outside forces like COVID two shortened seasons. You know, he dealt with an Achilles issue for la- most of last season. So he. You know, he just he hasn't been able to find a consistent footing in the league yet. But yeah. man, when you when Trey Young went out in that Eastern Conference Finals and like like Cam Reddish went from four months of not playing, playing under a a brand new coach like that he had never played under Nate McMillan until the Eastern Conference Finals, and he went in there and had just this unbelievable series of games where he locked down Chris Middleton and where he was hitting like four or five threes in a game, like. It's the whole deal with Reddish, man. Like you see these glimpses, and you're like, "All right, I can, I can buy into what this guy can be." But from everything that I understand, but when you just look at the big picture, it's really hard to justify signing every single one of these young guys. And Reddish seems to be, of all the Hawks' younger players, the guy with a lot of trade value. I mean, or the most trade value to his name. And you know, we 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 saw there was the Hawks were you know there he was very very clearly in trade rumors during the draft. Most Hawks beat writers that have talked about this after the fact all say that, look, you know, you may not be reading about these rumors anymore, but Cam Reddish is still very much on the block behind the scenes, which I know a lot of Hawks fans don't want to hear me included, but like, Hmm. I mean, you gotta, I mean, look, something's got to give at some point. And you, if you want to think about it, like from a team building perspective, I mean, the Hawks have hit on so many picks, it would behoove them to you know maintain this really deep roster and then find ways to re to, to reload that war chest you know like yeah you, you like get more draft picks get more capital down the line i mean think of the boston celtics how they had that stretch where they had all this draft capital and they had all these moves that they could make and they hit on some i mean they hit on jason tatum not in jalen brown not those two out of the park but then you know Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, Gordon Hayward, those three come and go. And, and now this is a Celtics team that honestly looks pretty depleted uh, in yeah. terms of like their assets. And like, they, they, they're kind of a team with capped championship aspirations. And I really think that they are 
a warning sign for teams in this position that the Hawks find themselves in as kind of the new version of that Celtics team with just all of these just embarrassment of riches. At a certain point, you got to know when to hold them and when to fold them. Um, and I hope that that doesn't come this year. I still would love to see Reddish get another opportunity to compete for minutes and, and really establish some consistency. Cause I, I, I think that he's going to be a really su- a successful pro one way or another, but he he's very clearly the guy that could be out first of this young crop of guys. And I, I do believe that that's the page that the Hawks management is on right now. Yeah. I'd love to see a, a full healthy season of Deandre Hunter and Cam Rich. I mean, that would be scary, but scary. what is, so what's your official trade for Bradley Beal? Let's hear it. Well, so if, we, if the Hawks were to go for Bradley Beal, obviously you start with Cam Reddish as right. a centerpiece. I mean, you're going to have to make some concessions in areas that you might not want to. And by you, I mean me. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it, you got to match salary somewhere. So you probably send someone like Bogdan Bogdanovich out, um, who I've, I, I was really, just, I mean, as critical as anyone to Atlanta's success in the playoffs or late season push. Uh, Clint Capella, who was this team's second best player last year, um, the Hawks just signed him to an extension wisely, I might add, but he could be someone that you put in a deal like that. Mm. And John Collins, who you just extended, is another potential piece as well that I, I think that Washington would be very keen on. I mean, so you got to give up some youth. And if I, and if I say that I want to keep DeAndre Hunter and Nyeka Kongu off the table, uh, I guess my package would be uh, Cam Reddish. <laughs> <laughs> man, man, there's probably so many people listening to me right now just like, man, you know, get get out of here. Like you're, <laughs> you're struggling with this kind of decision. I'd say Cam, Bogey, Kevin Herter, and a couple firsts, three first round picks, maybe. That is that too little? That's not gonna get it, Alan. You gotta you know, go get it, man. You gotta throw Hunter in there. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> y'all, y'all. <laughs> uh, I could throw a Sharif Cooper in. I don't want to throw in Jalen Johnson. I'm so I just Alan, don't. You gotta have Jalen or DeAndre. One of them's gotta be in there. Well, I mean, you, you go with DeAndre Hunter, obviously, because you've seen it happen. But Jalen Johnson could be really good, though. Like, <laughs> just man, keep the team as it is. Just keep frankly, the team as it is. I think, I think the real answer is I wouldn't do it at that point. It's just too hard to make. You know, right? I'll tell you this: if there, if there, if things go awry with this team this season, and this guy becomes available on the trade block, this is probably the best star to go after to pair with Trey Young, and that is Wall. On Carl Anthony Towns in Minnesota, and I, I don't think I don't think things are going south in many this year. I, I think that they're going to be somewhat competitive. I like Anthony Edwards. Uh, maybe Ben Simmons is there too. Who knows? Sure. But right, if Carl Anthony Towns ever becomes that next big star that's available, I can't think of a better guy to pair with Trey Young. And at that, at that point, you know, I you, you probably emptied the war chest to go get him. And you just glossed over, you know, that name Ben Simmons. You you don't want mm-hmm. any parts. Of that? Don't want any parts of that. You know, that's an interesting one because I've had people make the argument, um, and I've actually gone back and forth on it too. That Ben Simmons, theoret- in theory, is a tr- is a really just terrific fit next to Trey Young. Like mm-hmm. you know, t- like uh, the joke about Travis Schlenk ever since he came to be the general manager of the Atlanta Hawks was that he he wants to just build Golden State here 
He he yeah. took Trey to be his Steph Curry. He drafted Kevin Herter to be his Clay Thompson. Uh, <laughs> if there's any player in today's NBA to be the Draymond, it's got to be what? It's Ben Simmons, right? Like is he, ben, ben Simmons has that defensive versatility and that playmaking. The, the thing that he doesn't have that Draymond at least used to have was an outside shot. Um, and that's kind of where I don't see a fit in Atlanta because you can't play Ben Simmons and Capella in a front court together, right? Like that just doesn't the, – the, yeah. those, the, the, those two just don't – there's just – you're losing all your spacing there. You can't – I don't really like the idea of playing him and John Collins as your four and five because I don't think you have enough rim protection uh, between those two. And Capella, he, he – he, this the the Hawks were were a, a passable to like good defense this year, and it's almost I'm not gonna say it's all Capella, but if you take Capella out of there, you start to see a whole lot of flaws that he was covering up. Like you know, he's just the 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 paint pre- the, the rim protection that he offered was able to cover up a lot of deficiencies on defense. So I just don't I, I don't think the Hawks should get involved. I think there are some fans who disagree with me and and still see that really interesting fit. Um, yeah. I mean, would you do it? Well, if anyone can teach uh, Ben Simmons to shoot, it would be Trey Young. You know, I've had them in the gym every day together. You know, <laughs> what about the Kevin Herter Ben Simmons beef? I don't know if that's repairable, man. After uh, that Kevin is, that's, a, that's a good point, man. I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, but yeah, I mean, I think. I think we've proven that, you know, the Atlanta Hawks are a very, very interesting team. And they are showing us that it's a lot to look forward to for this season. What do you see for them next year? With the with everyone healthy, are they going to be in the same boat as last year or a little worse? What do you think? Or even better? I I think they're going to be better. But, I mean, I, I'll, that all rides on their ability to keep guys like DeAndre Hunter uh, and Cam Reddish healthy. Um right. I mean, like the Hawks went on that run without their best defender and Hunter, their best perimeter defender. That is, I mean, Clint Capella is obviously a huge part of the defense. Um, I have, I mean, with a team that's this young, I mean, all of their best players, you'd figure take a step up individually. Like Trey still got plenty to grow. Collins has elements to, to add to his game. Still. He, he, you know, John adds something new to his game every off season. Um, you right. know, so I, I don't think that he's done doing stuff like that. Um, you know, I'm, I want to I want to find a line where I'm not being a homer here, um, but I, I I really think Ben Simmons trade pending that the Hawks are a top three seed in the East this year. That's what I was gonna say. Are they gonna be third? And they're gonna be so, third. Yeah, I'm gonna lock it in. I, yeah. I, I've been I've been I think that I I think they're better than Miami. Um, like I, I know Kyle Lowry's a big addition there, but Miami sacrificed a lot of their depth to get him, and the the Heat have only the Heat's success over the last couple of years has been tied to their depth in a lot of respects like eric spolster just, just does not have the same bench depth that he used to and they're just really old um <laughs> i so not trying to start some not trying to inflame some miami fans here but like you know the sixers uh, i mean they're still kind of in flux with who they bring back into the fold they'd be the one team i'd say that could possibly get there over the hawks but i, I think that at worst maybe not at worst i, I mean it's a little strong on me but i think that they're pretty <laughs> pretty I, I think they're a top four seed. I, I think by, I think that they should be considered a favorite to be a top four seed. Um, and I, I do see that top three seed upside so long as they can maintain the, the health of their core guys. Um, and, yeah. you know, 
uh, it, uh, I, when you, I mean, the Indiana Pacers are interesting to me. I'll tell you another team though that's interesting to me that could take a, a pretty impressive that has a lot of avenues to take a pretty strong leap. I like your Charlotte Hornets, bro. I I think that they're right, I, I, think, right. <laughs> I think that they're a playoff team comfortably this season. I don't know if that I'm not saying that they're going to be top four, but I, I could see them avoiding the play-in tournament. Yeah, I mean, we have a bright future as well. I think we're a little young this year, but in the next uh, year or two, I think look out. And we could be on a path to be, you know, the next version of the Hawks. You know, <laughs> we're, we're looking you, up to y'all still right now. But <laughs> I mean, you got, you got, you you really have talent really stacked in a lot of different positions. I mean, LaMelo is a, it was a, just a home run pick. I mean, he's going to be an all-star, multi-time all-star. Um, I know that you were big. You were you were high on the book night pick too, right? Like you know, do you oh, see? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, do you feel like he's the backcourt fit next to Lamelo for the future? Well, it's just that you know there was talk to that he could have went six and to fall to eleven. You know, I had my mind on a center like Alperin Sengun right. or someone like that, or you know who we got with the twentieth pick. Yeah, you got Kai Jones anyway. Yeah. So and then we got him twentieth. So. Uh, to get book night was just a bonus, you know, but it's, I don't think he's going to play as much, you know, since we re-signed Terry Rozier, but right. for the future, it's going to be a great matchup, I believe. Yeah, I'm big on them. Uh, I, and I like, I like James Barreco too. I think he's a really solid coach, underrated. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, it's, it's a great episode. You know, the Hawks are looking up, the Hornets are looking up, <laughs> and, and so we got something to look forward to this season. Uh, thank you so much again for joining me, Alan. Tell everyone your social media one more time before we get out of here. Well, thanks again for having me on, Will. Uh, you you do a really good job with this show. And I'm sorry for I'm, I'm sorry for too much Hawks enthusiasm. I I mean I know <laughs> that you you prompted me with it. You knew I was going to do it, but I just I I, I feel like I, I probably irk some of your listeners who are supporting other teams. There, I'm sorry, y'all go Hawks. Um, you can <laughs> you can follow me at Alan Strokey uh, on Twitter, A-L-A-N-S-R-O-C-H-I. And uh, yeah, check out the Hoopball YouTube channel. Um, we're going to be, yeah, we should have a couple new videos later this week. Um, trying to project the top 100 players for fantasy this year. Um, so if you're interested in preparing for your fantasy basketball drafts early, check us out. we got some cool stuff cooking up there. Definitely, definitely. Uh, and Alan is the man. Trust me, follow him on YouTube. He's going to be on ESPN in a few years. So, you know, look out only, for only, only if you're in the seat next to me, man. So we hey, can... there you go. There you go. <laughs> but, yes, thank you all for listening so much. Thank you again, Alan, for joining me. Uh, if you like the show, you know, tell a friend to tell a friend. Five-star review. Thank you all for listening to the All Rookie Podcast. And we are out of here. Peace. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.